What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. This episode is part two of counting down our top 30 players in the NBA. Today, Clint is joining us to go over players 20 through 11. We lost Devin for this podcast because he had a prior engagement. So uh, we will obviously be mercilessly making fun of his picks while he's not here to defend himself all day today. Before we get started, just a couple programming notes. Uh, Monday, this week, the 17th, I was on Dom That's True to break down the AFC East for the upcoming NFL season. We picked all of the games for all of the teams in the division, came up with division winners, and then listed our top five players for the AFC East for the 2023 season. That podcast was a ton of fun. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcast, anywhere that you listen to us, you can listen to Dom That's True. It's D-A-H-M, that's T-R-U. It's uh, very similar to this podcast. You're using their last names for the title. I will link that in the episode description if you want to check out the episode that I was on. Uh, recorded Monday, dropped on Tuesday. The other thing, we here at Fouled Out, we want to hear from you guys, our listeners. On, uh, We really just want your feedback. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this podcast and sticking with us and downloading it. But we would love to actually talk to you, get your feedback, Tell us what's working, what's not working, uh, or if you just want to chit-chat or even maybe come on the podcast. So in order to do that, we've set up an email address, fouledoutsports at gmail.com. So it's F-O-W-L-E-D, outsports at gmail.com. If you guys have the time, we'd really appreciate getting your feedback via email. Um, Again, let us know if you got suggestions for the show, episodes you want to hear, things you want us to do, or if you just want to chit-chat with us, we're really looking forward to connecting with you guys more. Uh, And thank you again for listening, as always. All right, Matt and Clint are coming up, and we are starting this episode off with a banger because I am not happy about where player number 20 landed on our consensus list. It is a crime and a travesty. So let's see who that is next. We are back. We got Matt. We got Clint. We don't got Devin. We're a man down in the booth, but we have all of Devin's horrible, terrible, no good, very bad takes. Too afraid to come defend him. He don't got that dog in him. It's funny because like Devin's list is actually like one of the more reasonable lists <laughs> that we have. Uh, didn't have Yusuf Nurkic in the top 20. That's for sure. We uh, So we'll miss Devin while he's gone, but we got to get through players 20 through 11 today. Uh, starting off with number 20, a travesty in the voting. Number 20 is Minnesota guard Anthony Edwards. I had him, this is like one of the biggest gaps on my list. I had him all the way up at 13 and he ended up landing at 20. I was not thrilled about it. I feel like I need to launch into an evil, maniacal laugh here. <laughs> I know I fucked that up for you. He, he he knows how to play the game. That's So yeah, Anthony Edwards, like, Matt and I were pretty high on him. Uh, Devin was kind of moderate on him, and Clint just, like, did not have him on the list at all. My thing on Ant, and I'm probably, like, admittedly overrating him a little bit here, having him all the way up at 13. 
but I thought he showed flashes in the postseason this year of being a guy who can be a number one on a championship contender. He's 21. He's played 11 playoff games in two seasons in the NBA. And in those games, he's averaged 28 points, four and a half rebounds and four assists. Uh, played in a five-game series against the eventual champion Nuggets this year and averaged 32, 5, and 5 while having the high, third highest PER in the playoffs, only behind Jokic and Booker. It's a bit of a small sample size, but I thought the flashes were there. Like, what I needed to see was there. And I feel like we're, like, barely scratching the surface with this dude uh, with how athletic and how, like, just flat-out thick he is. He's like a wrecking ball, man. I Yeah. I feel like there's a lot more there than we're seeing, but I saw the flashes to say like, okay, I think this guy has the potential to be a number one on a championship team. I think uh, there's a, there's a little bit that's fair, uh, like rebounding and assists. And I'm not ignorant to the fact he's a shooting guard, but like his rebounds and assists are low, which, and, and the other thing, uh, like it kind of goes back to the, uh, to like that, comment that I made last week about like, what is a sexy pick or like, is this guy constantly in the news? No. And it's like, part of that's because the Timberwolves aren't like a super solid team, but on the other hand, yeah, his offensive production is like decent when you're looking at his points, but like somebody that I want to be in my, on my like number one, I would like to see them either have more rebounds or assists than he averaged like during the regular season. And his field goal percentage was uh, 45, almost 46%. And then looking at the um, – trying to see here. His uh, three-point percentage was like 35-ish percent, give or take, uh, regular season or postseason. So um, I think if he gets a little more like efficient scoring the ball and you know uh, making better shot selection, I probably would be more inclined to have him on here in my list, but, uh, I, I just felt like, uh, his other numbers are kind of underwhelming. I, I want to say like to his credit, we did see a little bit of an uptick there in the playoffs. Uh, he was averaging like 32, five and five, uh, which I don't really think you can ask for much more out of your number one. That's a two guard. Uh, in that scenario, like that's well, two blocks no, and two steals per game yeah, against Denver too. Right. Why I was willing to like tick him up a little bit higher than where he ended up being too is we've seen him get demonstrably better every season. And when I see that over the course of three seasons, I feel comfortable doing a little bit of projection because you clearly are putting in the work at that point. Yeah. That's why I'm yeah. saying I'm, I'm probably, I might be overrating him a little bit yeah. uh, more because it's like, okay, I think when we go back and look at this list next year, that he's going to be one of the dudes that's like, Oh my God, how did we have Anthony Edwards all the way down at 20 on the consensus yeah. list? And like, that's, that's not necessarily a fair way to like do the list of like, okay, what's going to happen next year. Cause we're talking about who the best 30 guys are right now, but I'm more like, man, Denver was a monster in the playoffs this year. So 
for him to go in and have that series against that team mm-hmm. while having to share the floor with Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Like, come on. That's the other big piece of this is that he has mm-hmm. like the worst constructed team for a player of his skill set. Like he's a dude who's like, I'm going to get to the rim. I'm going to use my athleticism to blow by these dudes. And he has Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, two centers in his way. Like imagine if this dude was on a team like the Kings that play like a five out offense or like someone that spaces the floor, he would just be an absolute monster, but no Rudy Gobert in the way (laughs) all the time. At least they didn't give up much to get. Oh shit. (laughs) Well, it's like the Julius Randle thing with Jalen Brunson last week. Is like he did all this with, with Julius Randle. You know, with Julius Randle, he dragged Julius Randle's Randle's ass to the second round of the playoffs. You got to give him some credit for that. I would like to see uh, the Timberwolves not be such a goddamn joke. Matt's Matt's laughing doesn't give me an awful lot of hope about that, but um, it would be nice to see them uh, kind of disrupt some of the. Uh, uh, the like positioning and stuff out. I mean, this is this is the franchise that had prime Kevin Garnett and couldn't do better than Latrell's free will and Sam Cassell. Hey, those so. guys had some cool shoes. You step off. <laughs> if only of, shoes could score points. It's kind of funny to look back at the draft uh, a couple years ago with Anthony Edwards in it and think like, you know, when he was coming in, there was a lot of questions about him. Like, does he even like basketball? Yeah. Does he want to play? He wanted to be a football player. And there was debate about who should go number one between him, James Wiseman, and LaMelo Ball. It's actually kind of crazy to think that Minnesota actually made the right decision here. Yeah. <laughs> and like, did because at the time it was like, oh, God, like a guy who might not even like basketball going to Minnesota, like, ugh, that's going to be brutal. I'm- there's a million reasons why he might start to enjoy basketball a little more. Yeah, Millions, actually, got, I would imagine. Two, I think he just got 260 million reasons to start enjoying basketball. But it's also right. like was kind of the perfect spot for him because what else is there to do in Minnesota except for play basketball for him? Freeze you your know? ass off. like <laughs> Right. Like no one's going to be outside. It's not like he's in Miami having a good time. He's in freaking Minnesota. So he's, he's got to watch gotta, the dairy. That's all. Yeah, man. He's got to focus on it. So uh, let's go to number 19. And sh- shockingly, number 19 is the first player on the list that all four of us voted for. <laughs> this man got points from all of us and somehow still ended up at number 19. Uh, and that is Cleveland. I guess we're going to call him shooting guard. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is a guy that I used to be much higher on. I I will stand by that evaluation of the player that he was his first two, three years in the league. I mean, he was an absolute monster to try to defend, just aggressively attacking the rim, uh, had some playmaking ability and all that stuff. And to a certain degree, like, he's still largely that player on offense right where I take issue with him now is I just he used to be an absolute dog on defense and that was where so many people were dragging him up into being like a top 15 player in the NBA 
but we haven't seen that guy in at least two years. He got absolutely torn up by Jalen Brunson. Yeah, my thing with Donovan Mitchell is I just think at this point, we just kind of know who Donovan Mitchell is and who Donovan Mitchell's going to be. So, I mean, he's a high-level volume scorer. Yeah. Took twenty, almost 21 shots per game this mm-hmm. season, which is tied for fourth. And when I tell you later in this podcast who he was tied for fourth with, I think it's going to blow your mind. I mean, 19.6 field goal attempts per game for his career on 45% shooting. Like, you know, Utah, Cleveland, every stop, he's been a volume scorer. The narrative used to be, watch out for him in the playoffs, right? Like he's had some incredible, incredible playoff performances. Yep. But we're a couple years removed from those and the playoff production has fallen off. Uh, 2019, 36 points per game in the playoffs. 2020, 32 points per game, but the last two seasons, 25.5 and 23, which are not bad marks. But when you're looking at this dude who's supposed to be like, oh, this is an elite level playoff guy, we're not seeing it anymore. It kind of comes down to playoff three-point shooting. He's shot 21% and 29% in the last two playoffs. Uh, And like you said, Jalen Brunson, like, absolutely stole his lunch in this last Mm -hmm. playoffs as well. And in fairness to him, like over the course of the season, he wasn't necessarily inefficient. His true shooting percentage was like 61.2. Like that he's obviously not like Steph Curry (laughs) efficient, but like that's still there. He can be efficient. It's, we're not seeing it in the playoffs and the defense is no, it's like quite frankly, the question is, does he play defense anymore? And I think we kind of know the answer and it's not the one we want to see. Yeah. I just say, I mean, volume score from the perspective of like, yeah, you, you scored 28 points per game this season. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a good number. Uh, but 21 shots to get there. You know, mm-hmm. there, there are guys out there who are doing it more efficiently than him for sure. And it's just, that's just kind of been the story for his whole career. He's like a mid twenties scorer on 20 shots per game. Yeah. And I, I think there the issue is like, it's not really getting the free throw on gets there. Like what? Five times a game over the last three years or so with that's not up there with like the, really the top guys. And that's how you really increase your, your efficiency. Like, James Harden built his entire game around it. <laughs> there was a couple of stories that uh, were pretty impressive with him during the regular season. Um, it just goes back to the back to that thing. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, you guys did well, and you know, fifty one, fifty one, and thirty one is nothing to sneeze at. But it's like you guys got bounced in the first round. Like that doesn't that doesn't strike me as. Uh, you know, like top 10 caliber player. Yeah. I think that's really my question with Donovan Mitchell is a couple years ago, he might've been projected as like a, Oh, if this guy's your best player, you can win with that. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of like, man, that Cleveland team, he is the only guy from Cleveland. I even listed one of my rules was like, I'm not (laughs) like not putting any of these Cleveland guys on here, honestly. And like, you know, Matt knows how much I love Darius Garland, mm-hmm. but 
with how disappointing that entire team was Yeah, in this postseason. I got to the end of the list and I was like, God, do I, I don't have Evan Mobley. Like I'm a big Jared Allen guy, but I was so disappointed by their performance against the Knicks that I was like putting Donovan yeah. in, in like the high twenties. I had him at 21 and nobody else is making this list. I'm not having two Cleveland guys on here. I think there's merit to that. There, yeah. And I, I think that says a lot because that roster has a lot of talent, but I think, you know, a, a big part of the point of this list is to continue to show like talent alone don't get it done. I look at that Cleveland roster and it's like Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen. And I'm like, why yeah. was this team not in the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah. Like there, there's a huge gap between the perception mm-hmm. of them and how it actually plays out on the court, you know, and they, they should be a lot better than they are. I think that has to do with again, maturity, like do your guys know how to win and regular seasons, much different than the postseason. I'm out on Cleveland, man. When I watched like a team with Julius Randall beat up the front line that Cleveland has, I'm like, something yeah. is incorrect. So. Whenever we talk basketball on this podcast and we need like a joke to fall back on, shitting on Julius Randle is like near the top of that list. It's like no matter how the podcast is going, you could just start shitting on Julius Randle and whoever's listening to it is going to be like super into it. All right, number 18. <laughs> Another guy that we could just sit here and crap on. Grizzlies point guard John ja Morant. Yeah, I almost left him off. You were close. He only got three points from Clint. I think you had yeah, him like twenty eight. I think Jaw's a fucking idiot. And I would not want him anywhere near my team. Like I I I don't know how else to express like his play aside. I think that like he's a great player. Um has a lot of the skill set that the, that Russell Westbrook would. That being said, kind of plays out of control a little bit. But his off-the-court antics are so fucking asinine and laughable that I I just, like, he he kind of strikes me as, like, the, the Kyries of the NBA, where it's just, like, yeah, you literally have people not wanting you here because your off-court behavior is so bad. Well, yeah, and what we've seen is that the character issue has impacted his ability to be on the floor, and the most important ability is availability, right? So... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's entirely valid. I think also getting just wiped out in the first round this year is a really bad look. And, it, you know, I might say that this also, like, really supports our argument for Steven Adams. Can't even get through three damn picks without Steven nope. Adams coming Steven back. Steven fucking <laughs> Adams. Forever. And ever. It was the linchpin to that team. So honestly, like, yeah, because last year was the year that they really like broke out as the Grizzlies, right? And they were incredible without Ja last year for yeah. like a long stretch of time. And while yes, we can sit here and talk about like what that says about Steven Adams, there also really needs to continue to be a conversation about what that means about John Morant. I really didn't think this episode of the podcast through because without Devin here, I'm now outnumbered by Steven Adams lovers. <laughs> ah. I mentioned during that segment that 
one of the things that they did really miss about him was that they needed an adult to just smack some sense into people on the court during that yeah. series. And they didn't yeah. have it. And like the vibes on the team were super weird with the whole jaw thing. This is a, it is a basketball podcast, but I expect a hell of a lot more out of like the people who are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to put a ball through a hoop than to do stupid shit with a gun in their lap. Yeah. I mean, like Matt can attest to this. I am very serious when it comes to like firearm safety. Like I grew up around it, you know, I carry myself. So, and, and like people who have CPLs and all this other stuff are like eight to 10 times more law abiding than other citizens. And I feel like, it's like there's a ser- there's a severity that comes with knowing that and having that privilege and you're just being a fucking idiot. Yeah, I mean it is a basketball podcast to rank players, but I think it's a very relevant conversation because yeah. one of the reasons that this is so frustrating is that he is so good at yeah. basketball and that's like with all of the off-court stuff swirling around the consensus ranking still has him at 18. Because like the on court talent is there, and he's one of the best point guards in the league, and he's young. Mm-hmm. And you know, Matt and I talked about this when the first incident went down with him. Is that like who is the face of American basketball once some of the older stars retire? Because like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, those guys are all getting up yeah. there. All of the best players in the league are uh, either aging or they're foreign guys they're not american guys so it's like is it devin booker jason tatum john morant like who's the face of american basketball and i think it was gonna be ja before this just because like the play style you know the kids look up to him he's got shoes he's like fun Mm -hmm. to watch he was he was right up there with those other guys and he's throwing all of that away to dance around with the gun not smart but uh Let's go on to number 17. And number 17 is the last time we get to give Clint a hard time. Number 17 on the consensus list is Heat Center Bam Adebayo. Clint left him off the list. If, if you guys <laughs> listen to this, if you guys listen to this podcast, you know that this is a uh this is a big Bam Adebayo podcast. Yeah. Love us some I Bam. feel like you guys just like the heat. We do. I, <laughs> I like the heat because of Bam Adebayo. I, I, I do like the heat. I'm not going to lie. But I just I look at Bam. He's a guy who's gotten better on offense every single year in the league. And he has always brought it on the defensive side. Yeah. His defensive ratings in his career, 105, 104, 106, 108, 104, and 111. This season was the worst year, but the team defense was pretty bad around him. Uh, Through 64 playoff games in his career, 110 defensive rating. And I look at him, and I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about this, Clint, but I look at him as like the perfect center for the modern game. I mean, yeah, he had a hard time against Jokic, but so does everybody else in the league. But having like, a guy who's that athletic and has the ability to switch onto smaller players, guard bigger guys in the post. Like he got like Jokic had a great series, obviously, but I thought he held up pretty well against him as well. So I, I love Bam. I know Matt loves Bam. Yeah. 
I think that's more of like an oversight of seeing people that I wanted there more than, you know, people that I didn't necessarily want there. Um, I think that he does a good job. If I'm going to like really criticize him, um, defense and stuff is good. Matt and I have kind of talked about this Mm -hmm. a little bit, uh, but um, I guess if I'm looking at centers and I want like, somebody who's going to uh, have like, I don't want to say more of an impact, but it's like nine rebounds a game. I kind of like, I kind of look at that and it's just like, well, you're one of the biggest guys out there. Um, just as far as, uh, you know, six, nine, two fifty five. That's pretty big. Relatively speaking, you got legs, you can jump, you're a good runner. I feel like you should be shagging more balls like off the rim and like if he was like 2010 with the field goal percentage that he's putting up now yeah i probably consider him a little bit stronger um but i don't know if we like we take him out of miami and put him on like one of the other teams if he does as well and i don't know if that's because like jimmy and the other guys around him are making him a lot better or if it's just like there's not enough board school around or what but that like Looking at the rebound specifically um, from like a big, I would expect a little more out of somebody that I want to to see as like a top thirty player. When when it comes down to it, I don't think that he's going to be like one of your guys that you would try and like put on your tickets to sell games, and that's what I kind of consider again is you know one of the not big criteria, but that's something that you think about. Stephen Adams makes yeah. that list because he's got a. <laughs> goddamn nice beard and he's got like he, it looks like that guy's chisel on marble if it was up to you guys steven adams would be on everybody's ticket like even yes like the pistons are selling tickets with steven adams and a grizzlies jersey on and they're just like just like <laughs> look at this guy come on he's I mean, a man's man that's for sure are we wrong <laughs> You're not wrong, but does it does it merit inclusion on the top thirty list? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm outnumbered, people. Someone, someone, send help. Where is Devin? I'm gonna offer you an idea as to why his rebounding might be lower during the year because of his switchability. I feel like, generally speaking. Their defensive scheme allows him to be away from the basket a lot more than you would expect of someone his size. Um, especially when, you know, you're going up against, you know, another like high level like scoring threat that well, Jimmy's preoccupied with someone else. Someone's got to take him. And Bam's probably the next person up. So yeah. Um, I think the, the defensive scheme is probably a good portion of that. And I'm certainly not going to be the one to tell Eric Spolstra that he, he's wrong on his defensive scheme. Uh, but I think that like the combination of just what he offers you on defense, uh, the switchability, you know, he's got some rim protection. Obviously he's not like an elite high level shot blocker, but I do think that he offers you enough there to 
deter guys from just going straight at him. Just what he offers as a playmaker, yeah, like three assists per game isn't like super huge, but I think we saw in the playoffs this year, like really what he can do as a playmaker. And Adam and I have for really the last few years, uh, just been the main thing that we've said that we want to see out of Bam is dude, just be more aggressive. And we saw that in the playoffs. And when he is aggressive offensively, it's a short list of guys that can handle him. Yeah. Yeah. My thing with Bam is I think you can win a championship if he's your second best player. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can win a championship if he's your second best scorer. I think you you like yeah. need you need more offense than yep. that in your second best scorer, but like second best all around player, he can for sure. Yeah, and I I I agree that like that was kind of the issue there. Uh, what happens if Tyler Hero is out there? And I'm not saying that Tyler Hero is the difference, but man, did they need someone who could get a bucket? What if Caleb Martin didn't turn back into a pumpkin? Who knows? But or Caleb Martin. Uh, speaking of <laughs> scorers, number sixteen on our list, and I feel bad about this because I promised the fans no more Boston segments after the Celtics got eliminated. I was like, you don't have to hear us talk about the Celtics the rest of the year. We're back. We're talking about the Celtics. It is Celtics wing Jalen Brown. Fun fact: Remember earlier when I told you that. Donovan Mitchell was tied with someone for number four and most field goal attempts per game and that it would blow your mind when I told you who it was. It honestly is less shocking to me than you'd think. Jalen Brown, 20.6 shots per game this season. Um, I have him the lowest on our list. I actually had him down at 24. I think Matt had him at 19. Clint, you had him all the way up at 14. And then Devin had him at 20. So uh, I'll let you guys make the case for him first. I'll let you go, Clint, since you had him highest. All righty. Um, I just think that, uh, like, shooting guard, he does a pretty good job. Um, there is, a, like, 26 points average on the season. Pretty good. Um his rebounds floating around seven and the assists uh, float around three and a half uh, shooting guard. We're closer to 50%, uh, 49, uh, 49%. Um, I, I like this play um, and I liked how he played off of Tatum. It's one of those things where I think like he's kind of like a synergy guy. And if he if he was with someone who uh, had like the killer instincts, I think uh, like there would be a little bit more of an argument to have him higher up on the list. But when it comes down to it, what's like the thing that matters in pro basketball? It's like winning chips, right? Like if yeah. you're not getting rings, like the, what the fuck is the point? And these guys have consistently come up short in situations where they, I, I feel like they should have like had a, like a much closer um, round getting to like the finals. And that would have liked, like, I thought that they would have handled like the heat 
I, I, I believe that. Yeah. You're like not winning and you're putting up this stuff. It's like, what, how much more fucking help do you need? Like what he can do on a basketball court is very impressive. And what makes it even more impressive to me is that he's able to do all of that stuff while having one of the worst ball handles in the NBA. Like, not great for a wing guy. I mean, like, Bam Adebayo has better ball handling than Jalen Brown. My 16-month-old son can handle the ball better than Jalen Brown can. (laughs) Maddox can go left. Shit, coming Uh, at this man's life over here. Well, you know, um, other players have come at his life too like they've said like that's the book on him and that's always been the book on him i think that's kind of starting to catch up with him he's gonna need to put in the work to fix that if he wants to take his game to the next level um what i will say in his defense though is that he's not afraid to put the ball up in the fourth quarter and sometimes that's been a detriment I think he's also doing that because a player that we are going to talk about later on this list uh, will not do that. And I would rather go down with a player that's at least willing to go down shooting than a guy who is supposed to be my top scorer but won't pull the trigger. Yeah, I would agree with that. My thing on Jalen Brown is like the more I think about it, the more I think that he just isn't in a very good situation for him mm-hmm. in Boston, which sounds counterintuitive because like you're playing off Tatum, you have all sorts of help. Like it seems like a good team, mm-hmm. but I think that the offensive load that they require from him is just too much. You know, he 31.4% usage this season with only a 19 point PER. So he's, it's not efficient, you know, and yeah. he's getting the ball one third of the time. I honestly, I'd rather see him handle the ball less. So like my main thing is just like, I just, <laughs> I think everybody would rather see him handle the ball less, take less shots. Like we, we talked about this during the playoffs mm-hmm. is that he's taking like, you know, seven or eight threes per game. Can we scooch that down to like four or five, you know? Well, and so much of his usage too comes from like isolation stuff. And I think that's a problem for both him and Tatum. I think that if you have those two players on the same team, while there's a lot to be desired from Brown, like dribbling the ball, he's a capable passer. Uh, And I think that there's enough other guys on that roster that are also capable passers and you can run a really, really interesting offense with using those guys off ball and making defenders make tough choices. They don't do that. They lean into the star shit. Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown can create his own shot. I like him way, way more when he's not. (laughs) Like, you know, if he was on a team where he had a point guard who was like setting him up in good spots Mm -hmm. to get buckets. And then he only had to rely on the ISO stuff when he had to, instead of being like, okay, well, Tatum ran an ISO. So now Brown's going to run an ISO. So then Tatum's going to run an ISO and now Brown's going to run an ISO. 
Like I I don't I wouldn't be calling ISOs for Jalen Brown. I wouldn't. He can't handle the ball. He needs someone to set him up in good spots, and that would make him much more efficient in the NBA. My other problem with him is like, yes, he's not afraid to shoot in the fourth, but maybe against the Heat, he should have been. Uh, because he was god awful in that series. Seven for 43 from three, good for 16% in that series while turning the ball over 22 times. Yeah. Including eight in game seven. He had I think more turnovers in game seven than he had threes for the entire series. I, I think there's another part of the, the ISO argument that's being left out here. And for a shooting guard, this guy is dog shit from the free throw line. Like what? Yeah. 72%. Are you fucking kidding me for a professional player? Like, I feel like I'm winning you guys over here. I'm, I'm comfortable in where I ranked him, but I, I think where the frustration is, is that like, there's so much meat left on the bone. Yeah, I just I feel like they've really taken away what I liked about him in favor of having him carry a bigger offensive load. Yeah. Because the best thing about him when he came into the league and for a couple of years is that he was an awesome wing defender. And that's like such a hard thing to find. But the more offensive mm-hmm. load he's had to carry, the more his defense has suffered just because that's the way it yeah. works. And I would rather just be like, okay, we're going to get you in positions to succeed on offense. You're not going to take 20 shots per game. You're going to take like 13 or 14, but they're going to be more efficient shots. And then you're going to play good defense. You can focus on that side of the floor. I I like that Jalen Brown Mm -hmm. way more than what I'm seeing recently. So, well, and I think a good question here is like, okay, would you rather, well, yes, like, salary certain isn't cheap but like would you rather have jeremy grant at what he's making or would you rather pay jalen brown what he's about to make a quarter of a billion dollars like yeah the to fucking shoot 75 percent from the free throw line like you you might get five at most ten percent more out of jalen brown than you will out of Jeremy Grant, but like Jeremy Grant's going to give you defense too. Yeah, I'd, I would rather have a lot of things in the NBA rather than Jalen Brown for three hundred and four million dollars. Holy shit! Get ready in a couple of years to see even worse deals with worse players. Mm. Well, we What's a saw- worse deal? Timothy Mozgov for like his fucking outlandish contract he got. Or this one. Still Timmy Fimoskov. Like, Jesus I, that's Christ. What I was <laughs> Can I go Fred Van Vliet, Max Deal? I still... <laughs> Fred Van Vliet can actually play, at least. <laughs> yeah, but they gave a Max Deal to a dude that nobody had on their list. We, we came up with, like, 40 guys, and no one even thought they, to put Fred Van Vliet on there. Moskov wouldn't have even been in our top 60. Boz, yeah, uh, no, I wouldn't have. Too. I wouldn't have put that. Put him like, in later. One time spike, baby. Let's do it. We have to spend it all right now. <laughs> all right, let's go on to someone that I would rather. I'd much rather have than Jalen Brown for three hundred and four million. Uh, cumulative points wise from the consensus list, this is actually our biggest jump, going from sixteen to fifteen. This is the biggest point gap, 
and we are going to one of my personal favorites, Sacramento Kings point guard De'Aaron Fox. Uh, actually, like one of the most consistently rated guys on our list. I had him 14. Matt and Clint, you guys both had him 15, and then Devin had him 17. So we were all like really close. I called him out on this podcast not that long ago. A little fire under him. I've, I'm taking full credit for De'Aaron Fox's development in the last couple of years. I was not happy with where this team was going and how he was playing. You know, we talked about guys earlier who it's like, does he play defense? Who knows? You know, he had, there was some other issues. The team couldn't even get to 500. So Matt fought for his inclusion on this list. The last time we did the list two years ago, I was like, get this guy the fuck off of the list. I don't want him on there until the Kings go 500. I feel vindicated. Guess what, baby? Two years later, 50-plus wins, third seed in the West, De'Aaron Fox back on the list. The thing I was so impressed with with him, and this is like a little weird for me because it's not really statistical at all, is just the attitude during the Warriors series and the playoffs of like, I am not fucking losing. Yeah. And there were times where like everybody else on the team was just playing like absolute dog shit. And De'Aaron Fox is like, I am not letting us lose. Obviously they do end up losing, but it was like, no matter is he having a good game, a bad game, no matter what's happening, he was taking over at points in that series and he was keeping them in the games. And I did not think he had that in him. Watching him gut it out. With that busted finger on his shooting hand. Yeah, emulsion emulsion fracture on his finger. He he got dogs in him. He got several dogs in him. And, like, that wasn't there a couple years ago. I mean, it wasn't really there last year. but, But, like, totally different guy. If we had done this list last year, I probably wouldn't have fought for him, but he figured it out. And I don't know what the change that triggered that was, but he's clearly grown up to a certain degree as well. Is fun to see when he is playing like this. It's just pure bliss watching it because like, Ty Pace is, you know, explosive, all that stuff. But, like, he's also, like, trying to get after it on defense now, too. You're going to see an attitude change out of him, and it's because they actually have something to fucking play for now. And, like, once you get a taste of that, I think that that really is a catalyst for watching people improve or watching people kind of flounder. And I'm really hoping that that is like, it's not about, oh, well, I'm, I'm building towards this, the, my next payday. I, I hope that it lights a fire under his ass where he's going to say, no, like, that doesn't matter to me. Like, winning is the most important thing. So he's fun to watch, too. Like, I, you know, seeing highlight reels and stuff is fun. So, yeah, I'm, he, I'm uh... hoping that he does better next year. Yeah, that's my big thing for the Kings as a whole next year is like, okay, you took the league by storm this year. You shocked the world. How do you follow it up? Everybody's got tape on you. 
everybody saw what the Warriors did to you in that playoff series. So what adjustments are made and how do you get better this season? But yeah, uh, all, all the contenders made moves to try to get better. You guys more or less stood pat, but like now the ball's in your court to get better as players and a team. Like there's no excuses now. How dare you insult off ball God Sasha Vasenkov? <laughs> we brought over the EuroLeague MVP. He scored 275 points on 26 dribbles last season in EuroLeague. The European Jalen Brown. It's so. Oh, God. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't make him dribble. This, it's like the most amazing thing in the world to me. This dude averaged over 10 points per dribble. Nobody in the NBA is ever going to do that. It's incredible. Uh, number 14 on our list. Another guard. Thunder guard slash wing. My mom's favorite player because she loves the name. Shea Gilgis Alexander. It's all she needs. <laughs> so I had Shea the lowest. I had him at 17. Matt, you had him at 11. Clint, 16. Yeah. And uh, Devin, 10. So we were kind of... Matt and Devin were in the same spot. Me and Clint were around the same area. So I, I get it with Shea. Uh, all team or all first team NBA this season, 31 points, five rebounds, 5.5 assists, uh, 27.2 PER was seventh in the league with 125 offensive rating, 113 D rating. He's awesome. He's an awesome player. Yep. But like, can can we go over 500 before I put him in my top 15? Like, can we make the playoffs with this version of Shea before I start pumping him up this list? Like, he played good. So, played good in the first play-in game against the Pels this year. He had 32 uh, and then had 22 in the loss to the Wolves. But, like, this isn't meant to disparage Shea because I know the team he's on is not great. But, like, can I just see it first? Can I see it before I buy it? Can I take it for a test drive before I start investing in it? So my counterpoint to that, though, is that even getting to the play-in game on the Thunder, like, I think it's understated how big that is, seeing as that is a team that at no point this year was intending to go to the play-in game. That franchise and their GM were thoroughly planning on tanking. And essentially, him and Josh Giddy dragged that team to 40 wins. That and, team, I think they're a lot more talented than they get credit for, even without Chet Holmgren. Like, yeah, you mentioned Giddy. Jalen Williams is. Jalen freaking baller, man. As well. I mean, but, I don't think Chet makes that big of an impact. I'm like, I'll be honest with you. Like, I see Chet and I'm just like, your bitch ass about to get pushed around. Like, I I, I think that like he needs to bulk out a little bit. Um, sorry for yeah. interrupting that. No, you're good. I I just I look at what he did and given the situation that he's in, like, I don't think anyone could really ask more of it. And you look at all of the efficiency numbers, it's all there. Like he, 
did everything that any reasonable person could have asked. I, I don't it's, even like I don't even disagree with you. Yeah. But it's just like So why is not in the top ten though? I know, but I need to see it in the playoffs because like what if he's just James Harden? Like what if he's this awesome regular season player who completely flames out when it's important? And we just can't know that right now because the last time he was in the playoffs was his second year in the league with that Chris Paul team. And like he played right. fine, but he wasn't the dude he is now. Yeah. And and I think that's fair. But if I look at the other guys that are on this list behind him, like, are there really any other guys that I feel like really confident in going to war with more than him? De'Aaron no. Fox. Well, literally, literally yeah. just Steven talked Adams. about De'Aaron yeah. Fox. Yeah, Stephen uh, Yeah. <laughs> As a number one, like De'Aaron Fox, I think is like the only other one. Right. I, I, Anthony I like his game. I like his game a lot. I and this kind of goes to my point that I harped on the last two guys about ninety percent free throw shooter. Yeah, you can do whatever the fuck you want as far as playing reckless. If you're going to the basket, shooting ninety percent from the stripe, like yeah, I'll take that. Because odds are, it's an offensive minded league. You're gonna get fouled and you're gonna go shoot free throws. And if you can make those, then like you're gonna keep us in the game in, in some regard. Um, the, I, I think one of the things that like, is kind of perturbing to me overall is that positionless basketball means that like point guards average five assists now. And that like kind of grinds my gears. Um, because again, in my head, like if you're getting assists, that means that like you are being efficient and you are going to get better looks because they like you're getting other people involved and in making them threats. Like, I don't, I don't understand why, it, like, it, it just would make sense to me if you had guys that could get involved, it would make the game come so much easier. And you guys would probably not be struggling to get to the playing game. And that's more an indictment yeah. on the front office yeah. than it is Shay. But I, I think like if, if we had that approach, then you wouldn't need to carry a burden of almost well, 31 points a game. Yeah. Like Shay's like the secondary distributor on that team. Mm-hmm. Josh Giddy is really the distributor and the point guard, but he's seven assists a game. So, you know, combine a couple guys getting five plus. Yeah. Yeah. And his field goal hope... percentage is good too. Yeah. Like anything above he's 51%. Yeah. Like, I'm very happy with that. And he was getting to the line 10 times a game this year, like, and shooting 90%. I'll, I'll take that. And I get that again, shades of James Harden, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he don't quit on defense, does he? Yeah, no, I, I think he, he offers you a lot more on defense. Um, and quite frankly, like, I'm not like changing my Twitter handle to name it after Shay, which is exactly what I did with my Twitter handle with James Harden. Yeah, yeah. I just I still go back to like I just haven't seen it enough when it matters with him yet. Yeah. To shoot him up the list. And like honestly, yeah. I think OKC is gonna be pretty good this year. 
he could make the playoffs, have a great series, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, he's number ten on my list next year. Yeah, like and super easy. And I I get where you're coming from there. I certainly had those concerns with other players on this list. I think that we all have players on this list where we're just like, yeah, I know, I get it, but this is a guy I'm willing to take that risk on. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to another guy who carries an incredible amount of risk. And I'm kind of shocked to see him this high with what we've talked about so far. That is LA Clippers wing, Kawhi Leonard. You guys were all much higher on Kawhi Leonard than I was. Matt and Devin both had him at number nine. Clint, he was at number 12 for you. Yep. Uh, I had Kawhi down at 19. So Matt, I'll let you... Give us the positive on Kawhi first. Um, tell you why I'm yeah. on him. So, I mean, I'm not going to not acknowledge the lack of games played. Uh, that's a huge issue. But I, I got to that nine spot on my list. And... I was really hard having a hard time settling on anyone. And I kind of had this moment of clarity that like we had pretty much run out of players that I could say, Hey, you make that guy the number one on a team. And I feel like I have a chance to win every single game that I play. And the only other guy out there that I truly felt that way about was Kawhi. And I get that we haven't necessarily seen him do it enough but i mean when he played this year it was very good and i just felt like if we are making that top 10 area the list of guys that like yep you are a true number one on potentially a championship team no one else on the list was capable of that. And I felt like that was deserving of it. The games played is a major concern, major concern. But like, if you look at his, his postseason numbers and grand, there wasn't many games. Like he shot 60% from three (laughs) and he shot 54% from the field when he needs to be on, he can be on, but like I think the thing that would come comes to mind for Kawhi for me is like, dude, like I think you owe it to like the fans to have some fucking transparency about what the hell is going on with your body. Because I would be super disappointed if I bought a ticket to go to the east side of the state. Uh was it Little Caesars Arena now? Yeah. To go see him and he wasn't playing. And that's like a real risk. Like, yeah, I mean, imagine buying tickets to like someone like the Warriors and having them bench like Steph, Clay and Draymond. How much would that suck? I have (laughs) never experienced that exact scenario. And and I had history. Yeah. And I had COVID. We were all supposed to go to that game. Yeah. About that day that none of the starters were playing. And then I tested positive for COVID. I was like, this is a shit day. Yeah, it was like... Did you still go to the game, though, Matt? Uh, Yeah, so like me, Devin, and his other, fr- his other friend, Matt, 
we all went. Um, but it was that was a real ugly game. Jordan Poole <laughs> show, baby. My thing on Kawhi is not like I, I totally I co-sign all the analysis. He's excellent yep. when he plays. But my thing is not, can I count on him to be there or not? It's, I can count on him not to be there when I need him. And that's why he's so low on my list is like, you know, he's been in LA for four years. He's played 161 games, which is less than the next two guys we're going to talk about. Yeah. The playoffs, they lose to Denver in the bubble. Then in the next year, he gets hurt in the second round misses the last two games of round two, misses all of the Western Conference finals where they get eliminated. Then he misses a whole season. And then he comes back this year and gets hurt after two playoff games and misses the rest of the series where they get eliminated by the Suns. I I can very clearly only rely on this guy not to be there when I need him most because he's going to be hurt at this point in his career. And I'm like, yeah, cool. If he's healthy, then we're a championship contender. But I know for a fact he is not going to be healthy. It's not a question to me. It's a statement. This dude is not healthy. (laughs) That's it. Like, full stop. It's really surprising to me how you have guys like LeBron who are seemingly almost invincible. I mean, they'll have little injuries here or there, but they're not taking substantial time off. And, like, Kawhi is fragile to the point where it's like you're – sitting more games than you're playing. Yeah, it's tough. But... And I don't I don't understand like how you get to that spot. Speaking of sitting more games than you're playing, number 12 on the list is Lakers forward slash center, Anthony Davis. Street the clothes. original. Anthony so, Street Clothes Davis. In four years, Kawhi and Anthony Davis have both been in LA for four years. Who do you think has played more games? Quietly, Kawhi. <laughs> it's no Anthony Davis has played a hundred and ninety-two games, thirty-one more than Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi missed an yeah. entire season. Yeah, so, that torn ACL. Yeah, it, Anthony Davis is more, I think, along the lines of like, okay, if he's healthy, it's a big if. But if he's yeah. healthy, I have one of the best guys in the NBA to me. Like I said, like I know Kawhi is not going to be healthy, and that's why I have him lower. Anthony Davis, at least it's a reasonable question, because while he misses a lot of games, we did just watch him play 16 playoff games, mm-hmm. right? And he was really good in those playoff games, uh, posting 23 points, 14 rebounds, and three blocks, 102 defensive rating. Uh, even though they got swept by Denver, he averaged 27-14 in three blocks in that series. So yeah, I, I actually had Anthony Davis eight on my list. I have him ahead of LeBron. I had him at nine. I felt like Anthony Davis was more responsible for the Lakers getting to the Western Conference Finals than LeBron was this year. Yeah. Like the, the impact on the so... defensive side of the floor was just off the charts to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the key to that team working. Don't get me wrong, because those those role players did a lot for them. But what those role players did for them works because he can be the anchor. 
where I am a little less bullish on him beyond the lack of availability, historically speaking, is offensively. Honestly, for him to really like make his mark, he's dependent on a competent ball handler. And that's why I think actually LeBron was more important because as a role man, you ain't shit without the ball handler. And that's where he really excels on offense is he is an elite of the elite role man. Yeah. Top three and he's not three. Like I just look at like, you know, and I know that you know this probably better than anybody, Matt, but there are two sides of the floor here. Yeah. And I understand that he's a little bit more reliant on a ball handler offensively, but like the defensive impact, this guy has a 104 defensive rating for his career. To put that in perspective, Jaron Jackson Jr., his whole career, Jaron Jackson Jr. was defensive player of the year this year, and he had an 105 defensive rating. So Anthony Davis's entire career, the whole career, better than the defensive player of the year this year. Like, well, he's missed all those games, so he missed the games that could have fucked yeah. up. So, <laughs> I think Anthony Davis is, um, kind of like he he folds like a wet paper bag if anybody's gonna play physical with him. Yep, that was but gonna be my next point. He's the guy. He he's the guy where it's like, okay, when I'm when you're talking about elite, like he's uh, twenty five and twelve. Like you're getting a double double. Your free your shooting percentage is good. As a big, you're shooting. I think it was almost eighty percent this year from the stripe. Like, I mean, seventy eight percent. You're a little soft, but it's like I can live with that if you're grabbing boards, getting your assists, and getting blocks. And I think that um, overall, uh, I would absolutely want him over somebody else who's in the top 10 as a center or like a, just a big, I guess you would say. Um, I would absolutely want him over like uh, like Joel Embiid or people like that. Like Anthony Davis will put his money where his mouth is and fucking Embiid will just run his mouth and not accomplish anything and, you know, whatever. Blame it on we James actually, Harden, I guess. That was one thing Clint and I agreed on is we both had AD over Embiid in our yep. list. So I did too. I think I think I had him at like 14. Uh yeah, actually you did. That's something that we all uh Yeah, I was you super at, you had AD at 17 though. Okay. Well, I was still incredibly low on Embiid. Yeah, I think we all are after the last couple of years, except for Devin. <laughs> Get his ass on here to defend himself next week. But oh yeah, no, we're not doing this last one without Devin. He has to answer for that. No, I mean, yeah, I, I get the criticism of AD that like he folds when he gets played against a bigger player. Yeah. I just think AD's not a center. Like, I know that he has to play center with the Lakers for that lineup to be effective, but one of the best things the Lakers did during their championship run in the bubble was that they had Dwight Howard and they had JaVale McGee and they could play these different lineups where they could put a little bit more beef next to Anthony Davis and let him be that like roamer shot blocker free safety type of guy. Mm -hmm. He's way better in that role than like, okay, 
get out there and defend a Steven Adams post up. It's yeah, not gonna go it, well. No, it's not. And I, I think like he does deserve a little bit of credit for for being a big. He can stretch the floor a little bit. Like if he's hot, he, like he's a lot li- like he's a liability if he's gonna take consistent shots behind the arc, shooting 25% this season. But I think like he's enough of a threat and he's a smart enough player that he'll make that choice whether or not he wants to pass or shoot based on the situation he's given. But even being able to shoot 25% still makes you like as a defender on the block, you have to honor that because if he heats up, then like you really have problems. Yeah. And I think that like developing that part of his game was really smart. I just wish that he wasn't made a fucking glass. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that like even being top 20, like that's not a slight. I just think being a big, being soft, being fragile, like I think that's worthy and pumping the brakes a little bit. Cause those are really, really important things as a big. Yeah. That was my distinction between him and Kawhi though, was that Anthony Davis is a glass cannon. Kawhi's a yeah. broken cannon. He's a big yeah. cannon, but he's a broken. Yeah. Uh, last guy for today. Anthony Davis is running mate. Lakers wing LeBron James, number 11. So we all kind of had him in the same range. Um, Clint was the lowest at 13. Devin had him at 12. I had him 11 and Matt had him 10. Yeah. So Matt, it begs the question, how does it feel to be the highest on LeBron James in this group? Disgusting. <laughs> I saw but... that. I saw Matt's rankings and I was like, God, this is actually like a really good, like unbiased uh, opinions from Matt. If LeBron is 10 and the rest of us yeah. had LeBron lower than that. Yeah. You can't say that. I'm like, I have an agenda. If I put LeBron that high, no, this one time I will say that you do not have an agenda. <laughs> I don't think that anyone can deny that like what he's still able to do on a basketball court is remarkable. Quite frankly, I think something that maybe it gets overlooked a little bit when we have that discussion about like, okay, well, is Anthony Davis or LeBron James contributing more to that team's success? Well, LeBron James is the brains out there on the court. You have to play intelligent basketball in order to win in the playoffs, even when you get a little bit of an easier path, uh, like they did, I believe, in my opinion. But LeBron James is, in all likelihood, the smartest basketball player in the NBA. And if he's not, like, okay, great, you're behind Jokic. Like that and seeing what he was able to do statistically this year too. Like that's, that was really huge for them. Like essentially 29, like seven and yeah. It was like 29, eight and seven. Yeah. yeah, And look, I'm not going to sugarcoat the, the defensive issues that I've been harping on for, the last like seven years are still there. They might even be worse, but I mean, they uh, absolutely are. I still think that even just his presence on the floor 
kind of lifts everyone else because he is the smartest player on the floor 99 times out of 100, and he can communicate what needs to be communicated. And, like, Clint, you've got more real-life experience on how communication on the basketball court is so valuable, especially on the defensive side. Yeah. Even if LeBron is letting guys blow by him and then blame it on someone else, you know, it's like he's still providing something there. It just isn't necessarily going to show up in the stats or the advanced stats. Yeah. I, I think that like, if we're looking at it, um, he's just getting old, like yeah. 55 games played this season mm-hmm. and he play, played every game in the playoffs, played 16. But if you look at his three point percentage, it's like eight points difference or something like that. 32 to 26. And then uh, his postseason rebounds one, almost two rebounds higher than it was in the regular season. His points production was a little bit lower, but I think that like when I look at LeBron um, as much as I don't really care for him and how he speaks about like issues and whatnot um, and about how flippant he is with just like clearing house and like doing those kinds of things. I like his game is really, really good. And I don't think that can be denied, but like he's getting old and like you got like everybody is seeing that. That doesn't mean that he's not a great player, that he wasn't a great player. But I think, like, his usefulness is probably going to drop off um, Oh yeah, a pretty big margin next season. I mean, that guy literally has extra seasons played just from his playoff games. Yeah. So, and and that's, like, a huge – that's a huge factor when you're talking about somebody's body – and the abuse that it goes through, he puts a ton of like he puts a ton of work in in the gym, and I think that's really admirable. Um, I like it a lot. Uh, I just I think that um, the drop off is going to be really hard when like is the expectation next year that he plays more than fifty five games? Like, does his body last yeah. that long? Like these are these are questions that yeah. it's like. We can giggle about it, but I'm I'm being serious. Like, yeah, I, no. I don't know how long you can last in in a capacity where you've been literally the guy since day one. We're we're all on the same page, pretty much yeah. here. I think, like, you know, he's still awesome, especially at 38 years old to put up 29, eight, and seven this year, and then to go yeah. do 16 playoff games at 31, 12 and a half, and eight. While mm-hmm. having an offensive rating of 118, defensive 109, it's just like I think about that last game in the Denver series where he comes out in like LeBron FU mode, scores yep. 31 points in the first half, right? Nine in the second half, including one of six from the field in the fourth. Like he just ran out of gas. And it's like, how much is left in the tank for a playoff run? How much is left in yep. the tank for another season? It's Father Time's undefeated. And as impressive as LeBron has been, and I'm sure he'll be impressive in the 42 games he plays next season, mm-hmm. or whatever it ends up being. I, I still, I go back to something that Matt and I have talked about ad nauseum for years now is that the best thing that ever happened to the Lakers is that 
they played that bubble playoff thing. And yeah. That, yeah. They were in the middle of a season or near like two thirds done with the season. Took like a, what was it? Three or four month break where everybody got to recover. And then they played in this bubble where you didn't have to travel. Mm-hmm. And that like giving LeBron and Anthony Davis both that long to recover and then going into a situation where it's like, oh, I got to go from my room to the game to my room and yep. not jump on a plane and go play in like Denver, Colorado was the best thing that happened to them because they got their chip that way. And like, yeah, if you just told me like, yeah, we're just going to start the playoffs tomorrow and the Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis, I'd be like, damn, man, the Lakers are probably going to be pretty high on my list of teams like that I would pick to win yeah. the championship. But we got to play 82 games to get to the playoffs. And then we got to play the whole playoffs. And I just yeah. don't know if LeBron's got that in the tank anymore. The the and, thing that I would say too, is like, look at what you're running into. So you come out, you're in the West and yeah, like the first couple of like spots that you run through, like there's not anyone who's going to be physically dominating LeBron. In my opinion, like, I think that that's like a hard hard thing to sell me that like, Oh no, like somebody's going to be able to get us. Like, "Ah, I don't know about all that, but you run into Jokic who isn't going to back down and he's going to be the guy to like, okay, like, yeah, come out swinging. Let's go. Like, I'm ready for this. And then like, okay, so you get out of that. And then what happens when you run into Giannis or Jimmy or somebody who like Jimmy's a little smaller or whatever, but like Jimmy's absolutely going to ram it down his throat. And it's like, do you have the ability to be physical seven games in a row against like, after you play somebody like Denver who already like fucking had your number physically, I would say like, even if you did a good job, you put up 40 points in your last game against them. You're shooting almost 60% from three point range, but like, you mean to tell me that like Jokic isn't like beating you up a little bit? I have a very hard time believing that. I think when we're comparing these two players, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, while like incredibly valid point that I do not disagree with on Father Time with LeBron James, I have also seen Anthony Davis as the best player on his team without LeBron James and they didn't accomplish jack shit. Yeah. To be fair, I think if you take either of these guys off the Lakers, that they're not a contender. They're garbage no, right? at that so, point. So we all agree, but so uh, actually it it's actually really like weirdly poetic and symbiotic that they ended up right next to each other. It's kind of beautiful. <laughs> Just like the top 30 list, but that is it for us. As always, Fouled Out can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matador underscore defense. And you can find our videos on TikTok at Fouled Out Sports Podcast. It's a long name, but you can't miss it. Mentioned this at the top of the podcast, but uh, we're really looking forward to having more interaction with the fans and the listeners of the show. I set up an email for the podcast. Uh, fouled out sports at gmail.com. That's F O W L E D. Uh, please, if you have the time, reach out to us, let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, uh, suggestions for episodes or what you guys want to hear, especially with NFL season coming up, uh, and, or just chit chat. 
with me and Matt. We'd love to hear from you guys. And as always, thank you all for listening to the show. We appreciate you guys. To any of the listeners who will understand this, ad nauseum was stated, and the first thing that came to mind was MTG. So that can be like your your first thing. Like if anybody wants to email in about what the hell that means, then I will be thoroughly impressed. Yeah, if you guys have feedback for Clint, email us and we'll share it yeah. with him. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not on the social media really, so I'm, I'm really curious to hear everybody talk shit about my picks and yeah, how no. out of touch I am with NBA basketball. <laughs> All right, I, I will read your comments to Clint in our office for all of our coworkers to hear (laughs) and we will have a good time. Speaking of talking shit next week, the top 10 players in the NBA starting off with number 10, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. Yeah. This top 10 is going to get heated. The, the Jason Tatum portion could probably be its own episode. So uh, looking forward to that, but Matt, Devin, I, I got Devin. some fire at number nine too. Honestly, there's a, there's a lot going on. The higher we get up the list, the more passionate it gets. So it, it, we only get relief at number three. Like that's where the relief starts. <laughs> yeah. Actually the top three is consensus among all of our list, same order, same players, but it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a little bit of a fight to get there. So uh, Matt, Clint, thank you guys for being here. I will talk to you next week. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yep. Yep. We missed you, Devin. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Robin. Bye.